I'm Chuck Smeaton from the Royal Institution of Australia, and this is the Cosmos Briefing Podcast. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land wherever you are listening from today, and I would like to pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Now, more than ever, it's important to communicate science in an engaging and accessible way. But using traditional media isn't the only way. Today, Cosmos journalist Lauren Fuge speaks to science communicator Rachel Rayner. With a degree in liberal studies majoring in physics and art history and theory, and a background in strategic marketing, events and PR, she has a unique blend of skills. And her science communication takes in everything from performance to poetry. Rachel, your background is in physics. Can you tell me why you find physics so interesting and how you kind of made your way into science communication from there? Yeah, it's funny. When I think about physics or when I think about myself at school, like the other sciences, I just really didn't care about. It was always just physics. And um, there's that kind of uh, small anecdote of as children, you either love space or dinosaurs and kind of the division from early childhood. So I was definitely in the space camp. Uh, And then I think just just how, just understanding the basic fundamentals of how everything around us moves, how it, well, see, oh, I nearly went into chemistry then, how it connects, but but in a mechanical sense, I think it was the mechanics and the engineering of the universe that was more exciting to me than, than what goes on in chemicals. For the life of me, I still can't explain an acid and base to anybody, but <laughs> to electricity, photons, any of those uh, physical phenomena, I'm I'm all over and I love it so much. So, yeah, I think it was just I was in, excited about the engineering uh, more than anything else, and that's, that's where physics is, mm-hmm. uh, in my mind anyway. Yeah. I think for me it's like the the big questions that physics is able to ask about the universe as well, like just all the fundamentals of who we are and how even our planet came to be and our solar system came to be like it's just it's fascinating for a lot of people I think and that's why a lot of people when they're young get into space because it's about these big questions right yeah and and things that we experience all the time like gravity and then how complicated gravity is when you actually start diving into the physics behind gravity like just those those small simple actions have such big cosmic uh, responses Mm mm-hmm yeah. And is maybe your like excitement about physics part of the reason why you wanted to talk to people about it and communicate about it? Yeah, definitely. So the, the transition from physics to science communication uh, was quite natural for me as I was already, I was studying art history at the same time, art history and theory. So I was doing a lot of writing, a lot of visual exploration of, of uh, concepts and ideas and symbols. And then I was doing all this physics work, which was kind of putting those same ideas and symbols, but in a in a real world context, in a, in a natural world context. And so that combination of exploring and visualization and the writing kind of moved very naturally into science communication where I could do all that writing, but use it to talk about physics concepts that, you know, I feel doesn't get enough attention. I mean, it could always get more attention. Photons could always be looked at more closely. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was it was kind of that that wanting to be visual, that wanting to write, that wanting to just yeah shout out about how cool is this? You guys need to check this out. Uh, yeah, it really just came from that. Yeah, I guess perhaps it doesn't get so much attention because some fields of science are easier to communicate than others. And I would say that physics is challenging in some ways. It has a lot of abstract concepts. Like what mm. what in your mind are the challenges of trying to talk about physics? Yeah, it's definitely abstract. Uh, the biggest personal challenge for me was the, the maths in physics. I love maths, but 
explaining phenomena in mathematical ways I did find quite difficult but in physics like a lot of the stuff we can't describe um, there's quantum states and all and you know quantum probabilities that are better explained mathematically than they are visually or in words most of the quantum stuff if you're imagining electrons popping in and out of existence then you know you're, you're missing something like it's very hard to visualize so uh so that inability to kind of visualize a concept it can be quite difficult to communicate science um chemistry you know baking and cooking every day is basic chemistry so it's easy to engage uh, in that way but i think with physics it's about coming down to those everyday experiences like gravity and starting there starting with the you experience this and let's have a look at that in all these different levels and i think that's how you can start to engage in physics but overall as you said it is quite an abstract subject so it can be hard to dive in so it's about finding those starting points those everyday experiences and moving from there mm -hmm. yeah and obviously some parts of physics are easier than others like we're talking about people are very space. interested in space um, <laughs> maybe not so much in like quantum physics <laughs> no but is that because we don't know enough about it yet and if you give people a little grain of what it is then they get more excited about it and it's always in every person it's trying to find that spark of curiosity so what is it? What do they know already? What do they think they know? And how interested are they to explore another idea? Yeah. So everyone's different in that way. And so when I think about my communications, I think about all those different personality types, all those different audiences and going, oh, is this going to be something that excites them? Or is it this or is it that? Mm -hmm. And then uh, trying to figure out what works best. Why do you think physics is so important to talk about and get people excited about? Well, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a way to answer that that isn't uh, framed in my own bias. Um, uh, I think it's important because, well, one, it is one of the ones that probably doesn't get as much attention as biology and uh, chemistry, but then space, obviously, we get a lot of interest in space. And I think the interest in physics is, you know, so much of our communications happens because of physics. And the more people understand that, the the new and wonderful inventions that we're going to get from an understanding of how radio waves work, how um, electrons move through objects, and just appreciating like the work that goes into our computer and where that comes from. So it's not just about, oh, how can we see things, but also about how can we talk to each other in these new methods. Mm. And I think it's, it's great to know because the more you know, then you can take that next step in innovation and invention. And you never know which child it is that's going to, you know, invent the next best thing. Yeah. You were talking about, like, finding different ways for different people to communicate to them and, like, find what sparks mm -hmm. their interest. What are the different ways that you have used to talk about physics throughout your career? Uh, well, I started off doing science shows with Questacon. So uh, that was, and that was great fun. So traveling the country, doing uh, science shows. I started off with energy. So it was talking about, energy transformations. Um, and the way I chose to do that was by uh, smashing water bombs over school students, which uh, went down a treat, as you can imagine. And that was all about how do we not break the water bomb or how do we break the water bomb? What energy do we need to put in and how do we put in that energy to transform the water bomb into a single state? Well, that's not quite the correct science to be termed, but a single state water bomb into a many state uh, chaos. <laughs> so um doing those live shows was really exciting i moved on to do uh shows for the bendigo discovery science and technology center and there 
I, re I remember this wonderful moment. We were doing a show on electricity and we had made a tiny little generator. So we'd gotten the motor out of a, uh, I think it was an electric drill. We'd gotten the copper wiring out of electric drill. We'd soldered two LEDs on there and we put a magnet in and you shook it. And when you shook it, the LEDs lit up. And it was just a really simple way to show how a generator works. And the kids, they went, oh, well, that's nice. But the adults were really, really fascinated. And I remember this one woman's face in the audience that was just morphed into this look of disbelief and amazement as she kind of just rediscovered how everything she takes for granted works. And, I mean, we all take electricity for granted. We plug something in the wall and it works. Um, but to go back to how it's generated. And so the shows I write aren't just, well, they're primarily not for kids. It's for the adults because there's so much there that I think we want to know about, but we just don't have a place to go find that information. So shows are a really great way, especially the ones that are supposedly for kids because the adults have to accompany the kids and then you get the adults in there too. Mm -hmm. uh, but other ways uh, I've done, I've done uh, presentations at art festivals uh, about science and especially science poetry. So that's a big one that I'm really starting to enjoy in the past few years is science poetry. So, uh, you know, it's been around forever, but uh, it now has a name. And so you can start to collect those pieces of science poetry and, and share it around. Uh, so Keith, the, one of the old examples is that Keats was a medical doctor. So he wrote poems about the work that he was studying and the medicines that he was looking into. Um, so poetry is a great communication tool. Well, actually... I don't say great. It depends on what your goal is. Because <laughs> uh, obviously there's a lot of people that say, oh, I read a poem, I don't understand it. So it's not a communication tool in the sense of getting someone to understand um, a topic or a subject, but it's a great way to explore words and explore language and then explore science as well and even a way to explore our biases and particular science and topics by breaking down our thoughts and emotions. So it's a great communication tool for both the writer and the audience. Mm. So shows and poems are my favourite two ways of communicating, uh, but I've also worked in PR and marketing, always with a science bend. So, uh, yeah, there's lots of different ways to communicate and the more and more technology that appears seems the more and more ways there are to communicate. Yeah. I'm curious about your poetry. Do you perform the poetry or do you publish it written form or, or how do you do that? Uh, I'm working on a manuscript at the moment, actually, so trying to put together a book of, of poetry. Uh, I do perform it in the shows that I'm writing. I want to have a section of poetry that's in there. Uh, so my current show on light, on photons, there's uh, limericks in there as well as a longer poem that I've written that was published in the Consilience, which is a science journal, science poetry journal, sorry, from uh, the UK. So there are journals appearing that I'll submit to if I think a poem's good enough. But I do have a terrible habit of sitting on poems for a long time until I know they're absolutely, <laughs> you're never going to get a perfect poem, but that the science meaning is absolutely perfect in it, that I've used all the right words correctly. So that's really important to me is that if I'm writing a science poem, I'm using the terms correctly. I'm not using polarisation to mean, I don't know, multicoloured light or something incorrect. You know, if I'm using polarisation, it's one wavelength of light. Um, that sort of thing. So, uh, yes, I really should should be submitting more, but uh, <laughs> it's all about overcoming those confidence hurdles. Mm -hmm. What kinds of other topics have you, like, written about through poetry or use poetry to communicate? 
Yeah, I have this great exercise that I do whenever I run a poetry workshop, which is taking a scientific abstract, chopping up all the words, putting them in a bag, and then pulling out the words at random and seeing what poem you create. So this is a type of chance poem. It was uh, invented or at least popularised by Tristan Cesar as the Dada artist in the 1920s. 1910s, 1920s, and he used to do this a lot with lots of newspapers and it was all about breaking down language and destroying language and seeing what we can create. But I really like that in terms of science poetry in that taking that abstract, especially like really high-level abstracts with lots of great words in them that we don't use in the English language generally, and uh, making that into this chance poem and seeing how those words shift and change meaning and does the poem have an extra level of meaning uh, that the abstract doesn't have? Or does it suddenly make the abstract make more sense? Which is unlikely, but, you know, watch a few more chances and we'll see. What have you found so far? Has it made more sense? Uh, One of them actually has this really interesting, it ends on a four, like what are we doing this for? Mm. Um, So it it kind of asks this question of why, why are we doing this research? Why do we explore these things? Uh, which I thought was a really interesting way to end end that chance poem. Uh, it was a study on uh, invasive aquatic plant species. So it was quite an important study, <laughs> uh, but it was nice that the chance chance thing came up and be like, yeah, what is this for? Hmm. I find it really interesting, your work in like performance and, and putting together shows about science. Obviously in my work, I, I am a reporter and I generally just write and use the written word uh, to communicate science. So it's like, yeah, it's really interesting to hear about what you're doing with performance. And I know you had a show about light recently that you performed at the Adelaide Fringe. And I'm just wondering if you can tell me more about that and how you put that together and what kinds of concepts you were able to, to talk about during the show. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if it is too different to reporting. Well, yes, I mean, <laughs> you'll have to tell me. I haven't done a lot of reporting, yeah. uh, but I do love um, just getting all the facts down, all that information. you got to start with the story, like in reporting, like what do you want to tell? And for the light show, it's like, well, I want to explore the whole spectrum, that whole rainbow, and I want to take people on a journey with me from gamma rays to radio waves, and, you know, what are we going to discover along the way? Um, so I had that framework to work with. And from there, it was just looking at each part of the spectrum and finding what's the interesting fact about each of those pieces and, and talking to people and saying, what do you not know? What would you like to know? And, and finding those um, uh, misconceptions. So radio waves is a great one. So many people think radio waves are sound. And we sort of keep doing this in science communication. We keep, uh, you know, cre- in reinforcing that that thought because when we talk about radio astronomy we're like oh we heard this signal um we keep talking about it in in sound sound <laughs> is it sound bites essentially <laughs> um so sort of uh, addressing that and saying yeah we say these things but it's not actually what's happening it's easier for us to turn radio waves into sound because we've been doing that for so long and it's just a great way to turn that information into something we can we can absorb or we can sense. Uh, so, yeah, the shows kind of just work from that. And then um, being on stage is just an extra fun element. Like uh, I think every type of communication has their benefits and they have a space. 
And so I wanted to take this into a fringe show, into an arts festival and talk about this really high level, you know, quantum physics in an arts festival because that was unexpected. Mm. And it was just, I think with science communication, it's about finding those points of unexpected uh, communication and where, where can they be? And this was, this was something I really wanted to do. So, uh, yeah, so taking, taking photons to the Fringe Festival and it, it, it worked, it, well, it, it, so it worked really well. Some nights were better than others. Uh, but, it, uh, yeah, it, it was, the response was incredible. I didn't expect to be much of a response at all. I thought it might be too much for an arts festival. I thought, who really wants to go and hear about photons? But, um, you know, I covered myself in glitter and I did the splits and, uh, yeah, photons. <laughs> so lots of visual aspects to this as well, not just the... <laughs> Yep. Yes, trying yep. to trying to infuse that that uh, fringe spirit into the show because I think like what you will do with reporting, if whatever magazine or or newspaper you're choosing to, you're going to write in a style that suits that publication. So the same with the show, I wanted to to be at the Adelaide Fringe Festival, so I was going to write it to suit that space to kind of fit in in a way that was almost natural, but then had this little quirky element on top of it. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool as well because in a show, like you said, you can be in conversation with the audience and kind of figure out what they do and don't know and how you can best communicate to them, which is obviously pretty different from writing something for a magazine where you don't really have that interaction. How did you find that that influenced the way that you like ran the show? I really love it. I love doing dynamic shows so that each each night it's going to be different depending on the audience. It's really that dual communication that I'm so grateful for, for a, for a stage show. And it's the same with poetry as well. That's really meant to be each person that reads it is going to have a different reaction, but you're just not there to kind of have that conversation and extend on it afterwards. So uh, the stage is a really nice change to that. So there's different ways you set it up in the beginning, like I'll tell a, a photon joke, see what the response is. There's lots of puns that I put in that are, and a lot of them go completely over people's heads. I mean, some of them, are, you know, it's just me not saying them correctly. But um, there are many like I do, I say something about the Higgs boson and say the discovery of that was massive and uh, sometimes I get to chuckle and then that's really exciting. I know, okay, they are going to guys that are going to correct me after the show. I need to speak to them afterwards and see, you know, what extra information do they have that I can add to the show for the next night you know, was there something that wasn't quite correct? And, and that's it. And so it's that, that giving people information, but also getting information off the audience as well. That's just so exciting. and makes every show just better and better and better. Mm-hmm. And do you have another show coming up sometime soon? Are you going to perform, be performing the light show again or do you have another one you're working on? Well, I was going to do the light show at the Sydney Fringe Festival in September, but unfortunately that did get cancelled. So I'm actually going to bring it back to Adelaide Fringe Festival this year, or next year, sorry, uh, in 2022. Uh, But I'm currently working on a second show. Um, I hope this to be a four-show series. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I'm really working on something like a a bigger selection with the idea that as I tour, um, so going to an arts festival and doing one of each of these shows every night so that you can have that full, full, experience of physics phenomena um so there'll be one on photons one on atoms more generally one on electricity so the electron uh, and then one on innovation and how all those all those concepts come together to build what we have around us so Mm -hmm. that's what i'm really excited on developing so uh yes but flying photon again in adelaide fringe 
uh, in February, and then uh, then we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's awesome. Do you ever are you ever thinking of maybe branching out from physics? So you're pretty set in in talking about physics, and you really enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what else would I talk about, Lauren? There is nothing else. <laughs> physics is everything, isn't it? Okay, sorry, shouldn't have even asked. <laughs> what a what a thought. Uh, actually, no, I did have something the other day that I was like, oh, I should talk about that. And I was like, oh, I am not versed in talking about that. Uh, and now I can't even remember what it was. So, <laughs> so there goes that. I think it'll be um, uh, things that I get interested in. I, and once I'm interested in something, I'll really research that and I'll go down these rabbit holes and then find all these things that I want to share with other people. And I think that's the first thing with writing about or communicating any science is if you get excited about it, then then other people are sure to as well. It's that passion that really pushes a message forward. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe even an audience member at one of your shows will come up with something and you'd be like, oh, that's a good idea. Might need yeah. to come with that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> oh, always. I love talking to people after my shows, actually. There's just the conversations are fantastic and people have so many interesting stories that it's just, it's really wonderful. Yeah, that's awesome. I wonder if you could give us maybe a bit of a taste of one of your performances, whether you could read a poem for us, if you have one there. Yes, I'd love to do that. So I will say that this poem is still in the works because I started writing it because I wanted to familiarise myself with moment of inertia and angular momentum, two concepts that I got through at school and uni, um, but now coming back to it, I don't really remember how they worked. So I wanted to refresh my memory on them. And I thought, oh, I'll write a poem on it as well. Uh, there's a wonderful Australian science poet called Carol Jenkins, who uses equations in her poetry too. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to kind of write it in that way as well. Moment of inertia. If I had slippery enough shoes, I could slide around the world. What a diversion to sail, arms swinging wildly as shoes slide across the train. The red shoes dancing around the world. My moment of inertia calculated for a full rotation. The radius of the earth squared multiplied by my meager mass. The needed rotational inertia is two trillion units. I will be one significant figure. With a running start, I push off from the Arctic, picking up speed on the shining icy surface. Stumbling at first, weight forward, weight back, hands pink as the cold molds them. I don't have the chance to look for novels. Smoothing out my balance, now taking bumps in my stride, I slide over Russia, Ukraine, skid the Black Sea, the Med Sea, Egypt and South Sudan. I slip through Africa, the origins of the Nile are wax on the soles of my shoes. I see giraffes downwind of the acacia, long tongues on long days. I sail past my past in South Africa and onto the Indian Ocean. To make it round the other side, I slide, shimmying over the southern sea, the phytoplankton dancing alongside, a jumping from the arching whale. It'll feel like a slingshot around the south, a shot across the Pacific Ocean, continuing in a continuous motion around the whole of the earth in these slippery red shoes. Keep an eye out for me. I'd like to share an inert moment with you, but you'll need to be someone who absorbs my moment of inertia. That was fabulous. Thank you so much for reading that for us. That was awesome. No worries. It's uh it's fun. It's a really fun poem, that one. I like the 
kind of the moving around the earth. And I want to explore that a bit more and I want to make sure the physics is correct. So uh, it'll be something that I, I talk to some other physicists about who work in this area and and uh, tighten that up and get all the terms correctly. But um, yeah, so uh, an unpublished poem just is a nice little surprise for everybody. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I can't wait to see the final form. And thank you so much for chatting to me today. It's been really interesting to hear about your work. Thank you. And yours too. And I look forward to reading more about all the physics topics. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. Remember that you can head to cosmosmagazine.com via the link in the description for more great content. You can also subscribe to Cosmos Magazine, Australia's only science print magazine, and Cosmos Weekly with its unique approach to how science, current affairs and the economy intersect. Podcast listeners can get both products at a special price using the coupon code you will also find in the description. Of course, you can watch and listen to all our Cosmos briefings via the link in the description too. And remember, if you support science and its communication, please support our work at the Royal Institution of Australia. I'm Chuck Smeaton. Today's interview was hosted by Lauren Fuge, and our executive producer is Catherine Roberts. Thank you 